so I've seen a lot of debate lately about, you know, whether or not a Reuben has to have toasted bread. These are the forums that you're spending your time on is like now, sandwich forums. Now, you know, <laughs> uh, when it comes to me, look, I'm not a sandwich purist. <laughs> Bullshit. Where, you're one of these fucking mods, I uh, bet, where you fucking uh, exercise your power. Uh, it has to, oh, it's not a Reuben. It's not Swiss cheese. Uh, oh, it's not supposed to have coleslaw and it's supposed to have uh, sauerkraut. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think most sandwiches should have toasted bread. Toasted bread is delicious. I don't think it's a requirement. No, I don't think so either. But it does enhance a sandwich. Also, but overtoasting bread can make it worse. Well, that's true. Really crusty and it hurts your mouth. If you, yeah, if it becomes shards, shards, shards of bread, and shards of bread, and they spread it off and they hurt your mouth, then yeah, that's that sucks. That's no fun. We kind of glossed over you being a fucking Discord mod of your sandwich form. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm on the uh, Hello Kittens. I Heart Sandwiches Discord, where I moderate. <laughs> Bring me your sandwiches, kitten. Let me, ju- ooh, let me judge your sandwich. Ooh, ooh. Bring me sandwiches. This must have Swiss cheese. Banned. It's banned. <laughs> okay, so Ruben. nuzzles. Nuzzles your crusted cheese. Nuzzles. Rubs up against you. Licks your ear and says, ooh, you have some Thousand Island dressing behind your ears. Well, that's the thing. A Reuben's supposed to have Russian dressing, right? Oh, is it? But look, I don't what care. What about changing the meat? Do you care about that for a Reuben? I like pastrami better than corned beef. I'll go on the record and say it. You, you misunderstand me, sir. I'm talking about you can have a turkey Reuben. You ever heard of seen this? That's a Rachel. We're not talking about friends. No, that's a Rachel. No, that's a haircut. That's that's what they call it. The turkey. No, Rachel and Ross. I know, Andy. The Reuben with turkey. A Reuben with turkey pastrami. Hello. Hello. Ding dong. Boner alert. Um, Turkey done right can be quite good. Uh, what about other meats in a Reuben? Is there other forms of Reuben that you can have? I mean, let's put some parameters around what a Reuben is. So what is a Reuben? Sauerkraut, Russian dressing, meat, and bread. Well, yeah, I mean... What rye if, bread? I mean, I don't think that you need to be married to rye bread. Yeah, I like rye bread. Okay, so you're fine as long as the core components are what they are. You're okay with variations in that? Yeah, I think it's like, you know, there's an idea of what a Reuben is. Um Right, I mean, if we start talking, there's about, an idea of a Patrick Bateman. If we start, if we start talking about like forms, huh? Huh? right? Okay, well, what is it though, Andy? You have to put something <clears throat> around it. You can't be playing in this weird, <coughs> hippy dippy world where things are some things but aren't. They have to be rules. I Andy. think a Reuben is bread. Okay, it is meat. Okay, it is. Is it a cured meat? I don't think it necessarily has to be. Wow, you're way too forward thinking. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's, problem. It's it's cheese. Does it have to be Swiss? I don't think so. It's God. some sort of crunchy component. Okay, come on. Like a cabbage. You have to put a thing on it. It has to be sauerkraut. Cabbage component. You're ridiculous. Could be coleslaw. You're unbelievable. Uh, That's not a Reuben. It's got to have a creamy dressing. This is fucking uncalled for. So Get the fuck out of here. So I guess what I'm saying is that uh, 
a pulled pork sandwich with coleslaw is technically a Reuben. <laughs> I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to say. If you and I were primals, which we are, and we were on the same tribe, yeah. I'm fucking kicking you out. You're not good for the tribe. Is that a survivor reference? What's a primal? Liver King. Liver King? You, you know about the Liver King and that whole thing. The Liver King? We were doing bits on the phone about being primal. Huh? Uh, I lost him. The Liver King? Never mind. Is this like some purveyor of liver? Ray Zelinsky, the Liver King. <laughs> oh, he was this fucking loser who, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, it was a whole thing that he concocted. It was a complete brand and marketing thing. He, this dude was juiced beyond belief. Yeah. You know, trend bologna sandwiches every single day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Anabolic, his best friend. Right. And uh, then he like would go on all these podcasts and act like he's not on steroids. Yeah. And he promoted this lifestyle called the like the nine tenets of primal living. So it was oh. like, he doesn't wear clothes. He eats like only. He's literally naked all the time. He has like shorts. Oh, those are clothes. Yeah. Like, you know, I would say he's being intellectually dishonest. All right. Well, listen, I'm kicking you out of the, the liver king. You're so fucking particular about certain things. But then oh, when it comes to Rubens, you're like, yeah, whatever. Throw some shit on. the. I don't fucking care. Put it on a plate in front of me and I'll slab it down. I mean, I look, there should be some parameters, right? It's like There should be. I think it's probably like you're you're going to either have corned beef or pastrami, you're going to have some type of cheese, I don't care what. It's going to be either coleslaw or it's going to be sauerkraut, and it's going to have like probably rye bread on it. It's a Reuben. My problem is where people are like, "Oh, oh a Reuben. I can't have pastrami on it. That's not a Reuben then. That's a different sandwich that has yet to be named and classified." It's like, "Okay, the sandwiches are not biological entities." <laughs> That we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna dig into. We need a zoologist stat. To there, yeah, fucking, for a fucking, fucking this, anthropology ooh, tree. Ooh, ooh, look at the blood vessels of this sandwich. This is a completely different sandwich. It's a different genome, ooh. completely. What familia is this? <laughs> if the, the internet, if it's done anything for us, it's completely ruined discourse around everything. <laughs> because it's the b- place where people could be the most pedantic about. Oh yeah, every stupid unimportant thing. You know, it's like the same thing is like with pizza. Oh, it's it's not a pizza if it's not Neapolitan. It's like okay, sure. You've never eaten at Pizza Hut, <laughs> dude. That's my favorite part of like like Reddit and it's under the comments. sauce. <laughs> it's from Chicago. Oh, enjoy your casserole. Enjoy your casserole. It's a casserole. It's a fucking pizza. Yeah, relax. It's a pizza. It's an upside down pizza. It's a delicious pizza. It is a delicious pizza. Am I going to eat it every fucking day? No. No. But I had Lou Malnati's the other day. Yeah. It's a good pizza. That's great. It's a fun yummy time. pizza. It's a fun time, man. A little Pequod. Pequod's. A it's little, a yummy pizza. A little Pequod. If you go to a place that does a good New York pie, it's a good pizza. It's all good, man. You go to a place that does Neapolitan pizza. That's a good pizza. The sleeper pizza of the year, the Detroit pizza. Detroit pizza's good pizza. Is that not pizza? Because that's delicious fucking the pizza. The sauce is on top or whatever the fuck they do. And, the, you know, it's so degrading to Italian people to go, oh, that's not pizza. You know where that fucking comes from? Sicily. That's part of Italy. Last I checked, last I looked at a map... Give me a break. It's not Italian. I've never agreed with you more. Sicily You're, is part of Italy. Finally turning things around. Sicily's part of Italy. 
God damn it. You're finally fucking making some goddamn sense. Yeah, you know, it got crispy because of the pan they used. You know what? It's just a fluke. It's not like somebody set out and said, like, I fucking hate pizza. Let me do this. It's a Sicilian grandma pie. Oh, it's delicious. God. Delicious. Everything's delicious. Everything's delicious. People, just calm down, everybody. Oh, shit, are we recording? <laughs> oh, God. This oh, God. Been on the whole oh, time. Geez. Oh, jeez. This mic's been on the whole time. I can't let people hear us ranting about food. Oh, fuck. Now people are going to know I have such strong opinions about what's pizza and what's not. Oh, no. Pineapple on your pizza? Get the fuck out of here. I don't it's want to see delicious. that shit. No, it's not. Pineapple, so ham, gross. barbecue sauce. That's a great pizza. This is why you're That's not in my tribe. That's a fucking great pizza. This is why you're not in my tribe. Bacon on there, too? Oh, yeah. As much pork as you can get on the pizza, plus pineapple. Delicious. That's a fucking good pizza. I wish you the best of luck, Andy, but you're not going to be part of my tribe. <laughs> Well, you know what? We're going to primal. We're, if we're two primals, I'm going to war with you. Well, you know what? Your tribe's going to get eaten by dinosaurs, and my <laughs> tribe is going to go on to invent the boat. <laughs> and then consequently sink it. Well, yeah. There's not ever, they're not all going to be successes. <laughs> we're not all getting in the first boat. Some of you may have to die. Some of you will have to die. Oh, hey, uh, Bunk Funkers. Hey, Bunk Funkers. What's up? What's up, dudes? Um, Andy and Art here. Uh, we're just uh, hanging out here in the bunker. Um, you know, doing things our way. We've lived, we've laughed and loved. <laughs> we've been to other places <laughs> with each other, and to think, uh, what? we did all that and did it our way. And there were times. I'm sure you knew where we bit off more than we could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, we ate it up and shit it out. The record shows we're a couple of Joes. We did it our way. We're doing things our way today here. With another Tales from the Bunker. Burger King really should have capitalized on that. <laughs> Burger King, I'm gonna eat a Whopper. Come and eat a Whopper with me. It's so creamy, juicy, delicious. Eat this Whopper, please. Wow, did you just come up with that? BK, have it your way. Mm, never heard of it. Huh. it uh, I saw that that jingle. You Are you familiar with that jingle? I am not oh. at, at, at all. Like this very um, catchy, I would say, jingle for Burger King commercials that's right now. But a lot of people, I think, find it very irritating. Uh, probably because it's too catchy. But there's an old bit from The Simpsons from season four, Rosebud, where uh, The Simpsons come into possession of Mr. Burns' old childhood toy, a teddy bear. Yes. Named Bobo. Yes. And they are speculating about what they'll do with the money, reward money, that they think they can extort out of Mr. Burns for returning the bear. Homer has a, I don't know what you want to call it, a daydream sequence where he imagines himself getting a recording studio. And it spawned a classic meme character known as Lomer. Because there's one scene in it where he's super low to the ground holding the microphone. And that's Lomer. 
But what he's doing is there's like an orchestra, like a big band mm-hmm. orchestra, and then he sings a version of the um, Big Mac jingle. Oh. Two Albie Patty special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Right. That's how he delivers it. And uh, then they have to stop recording because he's drooling on the mic. So. Classic. Classic Simpsons. So <clears throat> I saw a meme where they took that scene and instead of, you know, it wasn't a video meme. It was images. Mm-hmm. They put the Whopper, that Whopper jingle <laughs> as the text, as the bottom text. Would you, did you update this or no? Um, yeah, I believe so. Well, but I thought it was clever. You thought it was clever. A good usage of the. You format. like it? I liked it. Okay. I enjoyed Quality that meme. meme from Andy. This is, a, this is a meme approved by Andy. I would say, you know, if I'm going to review this meme on a scale of one to ten, which I have to, it's part of my job. <laughs> this is one of my responsibilities. Any meme that I mention, I have to rate on a scale of one to ten. I would give it an eight. Wow. Not the greatest meme I ever saw, but definitely a pretty good meme. It's not hitting the meme average. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's above the meme average. Well above meme average. What do you mean? Who am I? Wait, what do you mean? I'm you. You're me? That's you. That's me. That's a good impression of me. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? <gasps> um, what do you mean? So, Art. Um, yeah. We talked about forms, which is actually kind of relevant to what we're talking about. Yeah, today. yeah. If you're familiar with um, forms at all. Um, there's a comedian here in Chicago, I think, named uh, Dave Maher. We used to do a bit about forms. And I can't remember the bit, but he's a very good comedian. Uh, check him out, Dave Maher. Um, Dave, if you're listening, we know you are. Uh, thanks for all the laughs, pal. I hope you're doing all right. Um, the But if we're talking about forms, you know who's famous for forms is, is the Greek philosopher Plato. Yeah. Um, Plato, Big fan of his dough. Yeah. Plato, um, Plato dough is probably, um, you know, one of the easiest ways to express forms. Um, Plato is obviously very um, famous. Obviously, Plato was a student of one of the most prominent early philosophers, Socrates. Mm. And one of Plato's pupils uh, was Aristotle, Mm -hmm. who ended up being really a cornerstone of Western literature and science for um, even up until today. They invented all the bullshit that's causing us grief today. Yes, exactly. They're the root cause of everybody's problems. And, you know, we're going to talk about that because there was actually somebody who saw through all the bullshit even in Plato's time. Wow. Um, this person was another philosopher who's actually, um, I became aware of this person not that long ago, uh, of this philosopher. Still alive. In the context of, uh, yeah, he's still alive. I met him recently at a Comic-Con. <laughs> and uh, the uh, where you frequent. Right, where I frequent. I go to all the Comic-Cons um, just because I like dressing up like characters yeah um i'm always dressed up as scarlet witch yeah you you do a great scarlet witch yeah very revealing outfit right i've got the the one from the comic book not the tv show right i've got the body to pull it off um so but this this um the the subject of today's tales from the bunker is a philosopher who made it their life's objective to challenge 
the norms of society and to challenge people's perceptions of themselves and the world around them and their interaction with the world around them. Andy Sophocles. Andy. Yeah. Andy Papadopoulos. Andy Papadopoulos is who we're talking about today. The famous early philosopher, Andy Papadopoulos. Sounds a lot like you. You identify with this person. I do identify with this person. I also identify a lot with Socrates because I really think that I am probably the smartest person in civilization right now. Um, and people just don't appreciate me. Right. Um, but no, I mean, Socrates seems like he was kind of an asshole. Uh, and that's kind of like what I about, like, hmm. you know, being, asking people irritating questions mm -hmm. to try and make them look bad. Mm -hmm. That's sort of my thing. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> this, the subject of today's, um, Tales from the Bunker has also come up more than once in our discord for our proud patrons of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Uh, specifically, mostly from our good friend, patron, uh, Mr. Bugout. Whoa. So uh, I've been dancing around this a lot, but why don't we just jump into it here? Today, we're talking about the Greek philosopher Diogenes. Diogenes. Diogenes of Sinope. Hey, it's me, Diogenes Sinope. Sinope. Um. So oh, we're going to talk I'm about philosophizing him. over here. Oh, watch where you're going. I'm thinking about stuff over here. Hey, why are you going? I don't so know. there's a bit there. Let's talk about um, who is Diogenes, okay? Mm. Diogenes. Oof, uh, I was lifting boxes and Dio, Diogenes. <laughs> Lift with Dio back, not Dio with Diogenes. There it, there it is. That's a good one. Lift with Dioja back. <laughs> I, I ain't no Dioja back, girl. <laughs> it's me, Greek Stefani. <laughs> so anyway, Diogenes, also called, as I mentioned, Diogenes of Sinope or Diogenes the Cynic, uh, was a Greek philosopher and one of the founders of the philosophical school of cynicism. Oh, Jesus. So let's say answer the question, what is cynicism? Okay. In a philosophical sense. I they think love that, movies. They love yeah, they, they love movies. That's the number one thing about the cynics. You guys don't even really understand pulp fiction on the level that I do. They're cynic files. <laughs> okay, the Joker is way deeper than you think. <laughs> That's actually one of Diogenes' lectures, is about how the Joker was misunderstood. Super fucking cool. <laughs> so Cynicism from a uh, philosophical point, right? Yes. We've all probably have like an idea of what cynicism is, like broadly, right. like what it means to be a cynic. Yeah. Um, but in a philosophical sense, cynicism is a school of philosophy from the Socratic period of mm -hmm. philosophy, which is uh, during or around the time when Socrates was alive. Um, and this is all, of course, going back to ancient Greece when this was established. So cynicism holds that the purpose of life is to live a life of virtue in agreement with nature, which calls for only the bare necessities required for existence. This means rejecting mm, conventional... jungle book philosophy. Right. This is living like Mowgli. Um, you have to reject conventional desires for health, wealth, power, fame, um, and live a life free of possessions and property. That's cynicism? That's cynicism. Huh. Because they have a cynical view of society. Oh. Which we'll get into it more. Was not expecting that, to be honest. Cynics 
um, believed it was part of their role to act as a watchdog for humanity, to evangelize and constantly remind people about the error of their ways. Oh, my God. These people are insufferable already. Uh, criticizing any show of greed uh, or anything which they viewed as a major cause of suffering. This is an interesting where I know where we're going to go with this episode already. I'm, I'm a cynic. Yeah. I already know where we're going with this. Where? Where? You and I are going to have a long discussion on altruism and whether or not we think it's Doesn't real. Exist. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's not real. There's no such thing. There's no true altruism. Um, it's not possible. Human nature disallows it. It's invalid. Yeah. I think you can get pre- pretty close. Sure. But I think at the end of the you day. You can get pretty close. I think maybe the most altruistic thing that a person could do. is John Cena. It's P. John Cena. John Cena is the only true altruist. He has the record for the most make-a-wish appearances. Now, and you might say, I know already what your argument is. It's like, okay, yes. How many of those kids were Chinese? <laughs> His comments on, on geopolitical relations aside. Chinese versus non-Chinese. <laughs> you can look at it and say like, yes, him doing make-a-wish stuff 100% helps his brand. Right? Does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he, al- altruism is out the door at that point. But then you think about like how many he's done and like no one even comes close to him. Yeah. Like the amount that he's done it, the sacrifice that he's had to make for it. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's a, there is an altruistic argument there of like, well, what does he get in return? He probably feels like good in that he's doing something good for society, which he is undoubtedly. It's one of the most admirable things you could do is like, using your celebrity status to help Make-A-Wish kids. I mean, no one's going to sit there and say that that's bullshit, right? Is this where we're going with this episode? The only truly (laughs) altruistic thing you can do is donate your organs to somebody, but not take anything for the pain during the surgery. That way you have to suffer. (laughs) That's a a very cynics probably look at it. (laughs) So they're like these, they're like early monks. In a way, yeah. Well, they're living without any possessions, right? Yeah, I guess if you want to think of it like, what is it, Franciscans in the Catholic order that are supposed to swear off? Like, I mean, I know most priests are most priests to swear off like property. And, but then when I'm hanging out with these priests, they're all playing Halo, right? They're it's all like, playing what the Halo. Fuck? They're all they're all driving Mercedes. They're all driving Mercedes, playing full of, Halo. Full of young boys, <laughs> full of young boys. Um, young boys abound. Yeah, young boys everywhere. But. um yeah, I guess you could think of it like early monk um, in a lot of ways. And Diogenes has a lot of, like, I guess, monkish type qualities to his lifestyle. They have OCD. Right. They're played by Tony Shalhoub. Right. Diogenes is a Tony Shalhoub character. <laughs> it's an archipelago out there. <laughs> We put some cinnamon in the pasta sauce. We make a pastiche and it's tasty. <laughs> wow, Randy Newman's back. Oh my God. <laughs> what are we talking about? Cynicism. <laughs> okay. So the founder of cynicism, the 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 person who usually gets credit, is a um, philosopher by the name of Antisthenes, who was one of Socrates' students, so a direct student of Socrates. Okay. Um, and Antisthenes is sort of establishes this 
idea of like giving up all your property and like living in harmony with nature and being critical of society. Hmm. Um, and Diogenes, we'll talk a little bit more about this, was allegedly a student of Antisthenes, um, but it's disputed, as with a lot of this stuff, if the two people ever met. There's no way to prove it. Really? At this point, yeah. There's no... Um, there's no, there's no way to like Why? document that the two of them met each other. They don't just, have good written records from that time. No, actually, I'll mention this probably a lot, but none, no writings of Diogenes, even though he allegedly wrote multiple things like ten books, survive. None of them survive. The only things we know about his life are passed down from other sources. Wow. Yeah. So, and this is true for a lot of older. Um, philosophers is that we know nothing about their philosophical method or their writings or teachings directly from them. We only know about it from testimonials from other people or other things that other authors have written about them. Hmm. Um, and so uh, we're going to talk about Diogenes's life now, which most of this comes in the form of anecdotes that are written by other people about I'm him. I'm curious though, are you going to get into like, where did, is this even part of it is like, where does this belief in cynicism root from? Are they like looking at Greek society as a whole and they're going like, fuck this dude. Yeah. We'll get into this. I hate fucking cinnamon in my pasta sauce. This, this is coming. We're going to talk about cinnamon in the pasta We're sauce. We're literally going to talk about Cincinnati chili. <laughs> no, not specifically, but we can, if you want, I guess I wasn't allowed to have it. Uh, we went to Cincinnati together and no I wouldn't allow it. You wouldn't let me have it. I you, shut art down. You fucking hate it. Someday I'm going to get you some Cincinnati chili. I don't want it. I just want to try it. Yeah, I'm going to go get some spaghetti. I'm going to go get a can of uh, Skyline from the grocery store. And then I'm going to take a shit on top of it. And then <laughs> it'll taste fine. Just like, taste, just like it does. Out of the just restaurant. like in Cincinnati. So let's talk about Diogenes's life. Uh, Diogenes really. Um, like to talk about cynicism as a school of philosophical thought, Diogenes is like the Titan of cynicism. Mm. Um, he stands head and shoulders above pretty much any other cynical philosopher. Um, he's, he's the most cynical. He, he, he becomes to be seen sort of as like the archetype for a cynic. Wow. Like if you wanted to say, I need a, the trope of a cynical philosopher, it's Diogenes. Mm hmm. Um, he, uh, dedicated his life to, uh, eventually to being self-sufficient to austerity and to shamelessness, which <laughs> will come up a he lot. He loves William H. Macy. He loves William H. Macy. And, he and that show and shows that were set in Chicago. The only possession long. he had was a subscription to Showtime. <laughs> Wait. Okay. What is Austin? What is it? What did you say? Austerity. What is that? That means, um, basically I'm asking for the bunk funkers who probably don't know what that word. Right. right, I don't know. I know you know what it means, but it would be, it would be like living without possessions, Mm. like doing without when you don't have to, like he could have had possessions, but he's making a conscious choice to not have them. Okay. That's being austere. Um, he was also famed for his biting wit, which will come up a lot. I fucking hate this guy. Now, (laughs) dork before he was king of the cynics, Nerd. Diogenes was like all of us, a baby. Unfortunately for us, we don't have much information about his early life. Um, he was born sometime in the late 5th century BC mm. in what was then the city of Sinope, which is modern-day Sinope, in uh, Paphlagonia, uh, which is modern-day Turkey. It's like in, if you look at a oh, map, wow. if you look at a map today of 
like where Sinop is. It's like in the northern part of uh, central Turkey. He's not even Greek. No. Um, well, yeah, he's Greek. Greeks Greeks had colonies all over the place. Oh. Um, so he's Greek. Um, but he was born in what's modern day Turkey. Okay. So um, Hysesius. Shout out Turkey. Uh, gobble, gobble. Um, <laughs> Hysesius, who was Diogenes' father, was a banker and the mint master of Sinope. I'm into that. So he was in charge Chocolate of chip. all of the herbs. Mm. Oh. You know what I mean? Uh, let's Wink. just say it was 420 all the time. <laughs> in the Diogenes, Diogenes household. household. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, his dad like ran the mint. He was like the coin minter. Yeah, he made coins. Um, and it seems likely that Diogenes was also in the banking business with his dad. Now, according to the famous chronicler of the lives of Greek philosophers, a guy by the name of Diogenes Laertius, no relation. Um, Diogenes Laertius writes in his famous tome, Lives and Opinions of Eminent Philosophers. This, by the way. Lifestyles of the Greek philosophers. The- <laughs> Why are they always questioning? Why can't they just be happy? <laughs> That's right, it's Diogenes Laertius here with another episode of Lifestyles of the Greek and the Philosophical. Good Charlotius. So, in this book, uh, this is an important book in um, like history of philosophers. Okay. Lives and Opinions of Eminent Philosophers. Um, what uh, is written there is that Diogenes of Sinope, at some point, went to the art oracle at Delphi. The famous oracle. That's a very famous statue. Um, to ask for her advice. And oh, it's was, a person. And was told, it's an oracle. They'll tell you what to do. It's the future. Mm. But allegedly, he got the advice from the oracle that he should, quote, unquote, deface the currency. So uh, just, a, just a quick interjection here. Um, just as I said before, none of Diogenes of Sinope's writings have survived. So Diogenes Laertius is a key source for information on the life of Diogenes. He could be bullshitting. Right. This he could be like, thing. he could be shitting all over Diogenes to be like, I'm the better Diogenes. Not everybody agrees that lives and opinions of eminent philosophers is a good source. Wow. Some of the things that are in there are, are sort of verified by other sources. You know, somebody else writes a similar thing, but sometimes Diogenes Laertius is the only source. So, he could be bullshitting and nobody has any idea. Yeah. He's like, right. Well, Diogenes' sister plays, you know, he was a bit of a beta male. He liked to simp for lots of other women. Totally lame. No one thought it was cool. <laughs> not not like me. Not like me. I'm totally an alpha Chad. Yeah, I'm an alpha Chad. I'm the better Diogenes. That's why people, when they see me, they go, oh, hey, there's the you're the cool Diogenes. Yeah. What's up, cool Diogenes? Cool Diogenes. And then I put on my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Which I invented. <laughs> The, I think the, um, I think the suspicion with Diogenes Laertius is that he was working off of sources that existed at the time that haven't survived into modern day. So that's why people give him some credit is that they believe that he was looking at primary sources and like making this compendium and taking available information and putting it all together. So, so he's reading Diogenes' real writings. Possibly. Possibly. Which is a primary source. Right. But he didn't live at the time of Diogenes. No. Okay. No. He's like um, a few hundred years after that. Wow. Um, but he's he's a key, if you like look at any of the 
lives and philosophy of early philosophers. Diogenes Laertius is like a key source for those um, He's the individuals guy. because it's one of the few sources that's also very old that talks about this stuff mm-hmm. that's survived to modern times. So crazy. Um, that's just a quick interjection. It wasn't all that quick, I guess, but um, Diogenes Laertius goes on to write that Diogenes of Sinope misunderstood what the Oracle was telling him. So his, so Diogenes, father, I, I see. Ah, I love that drink. Hesisius. <laughs> there we go. And Diogenes were involved in a scandal. Whoa. Around the adulteration or debasement of the local currency. That's not based. And Diogenes and his father got exiled from Sinope and lost their citizenship and all their possessions. Man, dude. People get pissed when you draw on money. What's up with that? Yeah, I'm telling you, it's wild. It's now, just a made up concept. Now, there are some people that say that like, this might just be a story, but there's some uh, archaeological evidence that sort of supports this. Okay. Which is that um, large numbers of defaced coins um, that were smashed with a large chisel stamp have been discovered at Sinope dating from the middle of the fourth century BC. And other coins of the time bear the name of Hesisius as the official who minted them. So it seems like this is historically the coins that they found were deliberately defaced in order to render them worthless as legal tender. So it seems like this is like actually supported by historical evidence. I could see mint tampering with money being actually like a pretty fucked up crime back then because it actually like meant something like that was a gold coin that meant whatever. Right. You know, like that metal had the value or whatever. Right. Right. And so, yeah. So now here's the thing. Sinope was being disputed at the time between pro-Persian and pro-Greek factions. And the defacement of the currency might have been a political rather than a financial act. So this might have been like an act of political disobedience by uh, Diogenes and his dad. Um, But hey. At least Diogenes took the oracle seriously, right? He took it seriously. He didn't just brush that aside. True. He, he literally he, went back and defaced the currency. Yeah, I mean, he what, what he took what the oracle said and was like, eh. Now, following this dust-up, Diogenes began to understand what the oracle was really trying to tell him, which is that he should deface the political currency of the time rather than actual money. Um, there's also a version of this story where the oracle... Um, there's another version of this Oracle story that says Diogenes traveled to Delphi and received um, the same advice from the Oracle after he'd already been banished from Sinope for debasing the currency. So, I mean, there's different versions of all these stories. I like how Diogenes too, like can just write a story about somebody hundreds of years and be like, fucking idiot. He got it all wrong. Me with my hindsight. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Didn't idiot. interpret it the right way. Dumb. Fucking idiot. Dumbass. Should have known. Like, Should have seen that coming. Why don't you try living in it in the moment? That's why I'm a Chad. <laughs> um, at any rate, Diogenes eventually travels to Athens and makes it his life's goal to challenge established customs and values. Um, so I'm going to say this in my own words. He moved somewhere else so he could bitch at people for how they live their lives. <laughs> so he made it his mission to do. So, um, interestingly, Diogenes 
arrives in Athens and he actually has a slave with him. Oh, oh boy. So, I mean, this is in the days when there was rampant slavery. Rampant, yeah. So he has this slave whose name is Mayonnaise. Come on. M-A-N-E-S. Manis? I don't know. It's Mayonnaise. Diogenes or Mayonnaise? I don't know. Which are they? <laughs> and uh, his slave escaped uh, shortly after they got to Athens. Ooh, that Mayonnaise got loose. And Diogenes dismissed this um, bad, seemingly bad thing happening to him by saying, quote, if mayonnaise can live without Diogenes, why not Diogenes without mayonnaise? Great question. <laughs> I mean, I could live without Miracle Whip, but I couldn't live. I couldn't live without my Hellman's. That's for sure. Yeah. I'd love some mayonnaise. So um, Diogenes, when he arrived in Athens, he was attracted to the teachings of Antisthenes, um, who, you know, if you remember from earlier, was a student of Socrates and is considered by a lot of people to be the founder of cynicism. So this sort of ascetic lifestyle that um, Antisthenes was living, this got, Diogenes had an affinity for this. Mm -hmm. um, so Diogenes asks Antisthenes to mentor him. Um, and Antisthenes initially just ignores him and reportedly, quote, eventually beat him off with his staff. Whoa. And Diogenes responded, quote, strike, for you will find no wood hard enough to keep me away from you so long as I think you've something to say. End quote. This is getting sexual. This is very hot. Well, all of this weird sexual talk worked because Diogenes became Antisthenes' pupil. And while this is a pretty friggin' sexy story that's getting my pee-pee hard, as I mentioned earlier, <laughs> it's not actually known if these two ever met, so this may not have ever happened. <laughs> this could just be Diogenes Laertius fan fiction. Oh, God. That's what it could be. So, while in Athens, Diogenes begins to develop his philosophy, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. Um, but I think to help illustrate his life and what he was going for, it's good to look at some of these stories about what his time was like while he was in Athens. So, um, when he arrives, he has nowhere to live. He has no possessions. He has no anything. A mayonnaise leaves him. Um, so, he starts living in a clay wine jar. Um, called a pithos, um, belonging to the temple of Cybele. He's just living inside of a jar. Unless you think Diogenes was a tiny little man capable of fitting inside a bottle of wine, this clay jar was huge, designed to store wine drunk communi communally at temple functions. Wow. So this is like a huge jar of wine. And he's just chilling in there. He just lives in there. According to Diogenes Laertius, kind of annoying. Um, our philosopher friend Diogenes, quote, had written to someone to try and procure a cottage for him. When this man was a long time about it, he t he took for his abode the tub. End quote. So uh, Diogenes destroyed the single wooden bowl he possessed on seeing a peasant boy drink from the hollow of his hands. So the boy was drinking water from his hands, and Diogenes exclaimed, Fool that I am to have been carrying superfluous bag baggage all this time. He didn't need a bowl. He could just drink from his hands. All right. Just be my fucking guest, dude. <laughs> Why don't you not live in the community's fucking wine barrel? Well, there's no wine in it at the time. They weren't drinking it. What if it. they want to put wine in there? Well, they got to get him out first. It's going to be Diogenes flavored wine. Yum. <laughs> uh, it's also said that Diogenes gave up all of his quote unquote dainties 
after watching a mouse and deciding that a, that a mouse can adapt itself to any circumstances. And if a mouse can do it, why not Diogenes? So he got rid of his clothes? Butt naked? Seems like it. Is that what's meant by dainties? He's often depicted as wearing like a, a toga. My delegates. Um, but it's basically dainties means like, that's a word just generally used for uh, any possession, like small possessions. Now, uh, at the time, it was contrary to Athenian customs to eat while you were inside the marketplace. Um, that's but, a custom I like. Yeah, but Diogenes would flout this custom and he would eat in the marketplace. Um, and people would often rebuke him for this behavior. And he would explain that this was the time when he felt hungry was when he was in the marketplace. And I'm confused. Uh, he says, quote, if taking breakfast is nothing out of place, then it is nothing out of place in the marketplace. So if it's okay to eat when you're hungry, if you're hungry when you're in the marketplace, it should be okay to eat when you're in the marketplace. Wait, so it was a custom, it was normal to eat in the marketplace or it wasn't normal? Wasn't normal. Oh, I misunderstood. It was abnormal to eat in the marketplace. So he would show up there and he would start eating breakfast. You know, he would be popping fucking grape leaves. Right. He'd be slurping grape leaves and eating whole lemons. And people would be like, what? your understanding of Greek food is just lemon. Uh, it's just lemons and eggs, I guess. And not like, you know, green beans with the sauce on it. And that fucking oh, man. Green beans, lemon tomatoes, potatoes, green beans, to tomatoes and feta. Oh, there's a great combination. Saganaki. Yeah. Flaming cheese that was invented in the 20th century. Filo dough stuff with spinach. Oh, baklava. Yeah. Yeah. So he shows up, he starts eating. People are like, what the fuck, dude? That can't egg eat custard in. dessert I you, had. You can't eat in here. And he goes, I'm hungry. <laughs> it's not weird to eat breakfast. Why would it be weird to eat at breakfast in the marketplace? This is when I'm hungry. I feel like you're starting to identify with this guy. Oh, I, I do for sure. I don't like it. So Diogenes used to stroll around in the daylight with a lamp. You know, like a uh, old-fashioned lantern. And people would ask him, what are you doing? And he would say, I'm looking for a man or I'm looking for a human being. And not just for sex. In his view, the unreasoning behavior of the people around him meant that they did not qualify as men or as human beings. And according to Diogenes Laertius, uh, despite his searching, Diogenes was never able to find a man. Hey, that's like step one towards becoming a genocidal dictator. <laughs> you start to view people as non-human. You remove people's humanity. They weren't using reason. Oh, Jesus. Put some fucking clothes on and get out of the community's wine barrel. Wine needs to go in there. You're so pissed off about this wine barrel. Mmm. Mmm. It's oaky with a taste of hint of man ass. Is that man ass? Is that old man ass that mm. I taste? Mm. Coming through beautifully. Ooh, tarragon and ooh, gray pubes. What mm. is that unwashed man ass? Mmm, <laughs> delicious. Um, so Diogenes is also said to have urinated on some people who insulted Come him. Come on! Uh, taking a shit in the theater. And uh, jacked off in public. Oh, this guy's been no better than Gigi Allen, Andy. <laughs> and he pointed at people with his middle finger, which was considered insulting. I'm insulted! <laughs> On the uh, indecency of his masturbating in public, he would say, quote, if only it were as easy to banish hunger by rubbing my belly, end quote. Jesus fucking Christ. Now that's a good quote. Come on. <laughs> that's a fun quip. That's a good quote. I wish he wouldn't do it, but it's a fun quip. 
<laughs> I like to imagine that he was in the market jerking off and eating breakfast at the same time. This guy fucking sucks. So far. Uh, in one story, Diogenes was at a banquet for some of the elite folks of Athens. They threw him some bones from their meal <laughs> and called him a dog. So he lifted his leg and pissed on them. Oh, man. That's fucking funny. Oh, man. This guy is an absolute icon. Um, so the famous philosopher Plato, who we already mentioned mm-hmm. way long ago. Big old cave guy. He was cave active. Daddy. Cave daddy. Plato is yeah, what they call cave him. Daddy Plato. <laughs> He was active in Athens at the same time as Diogenes. And the two men had something of a rivalry because each saw himself as the philosophical heir to Socrates. Diogenes Laertius relates the following anecdote of one of their encounters. Quote, Plato had defined the human being as an animal, biped, and featherless, and was applauded for this definition. Diogenes plucked a fowl, a chicken, and brought it into the lecture room with the words, here is Plato's human being. Whoa, get wrecked, dude. In consequence of which there was added to the definition, having broad nails, end quote. So Diogenes showed, fucking showed Plato. Got him, dude. Brought that plucked chicken in. Now, in another anecdote, Diogenes was invited to Plato's home. When Diogenes arrived, he trampled on the carpet saying that he thereby trampled on the vanity of Plato. One, they had carpet back then? Like a rug. Uh, To which Plato retorted, quote, how much pride you exposed to view Diogenes by seeming not to be proud, end quote. This was a spicy relationship between these two. I don't understand. How much pride you exposed to view Diogenes oh, because like, by seeming not to be proud. Because he's like, oh, if you actually were a cynic, you wouldn't give a fuck that I had a rug. Right. He's right? like, he's like you're, you're so proud. You act so humble. Mm-hmm. Look how much pride you have to come in here and do this on my rug. You're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. Right. It's very Carly Simon. <laughs> And these two have a very will they, won't they kind of a relationship. This is get this is heating up. This is steamy. Now that's all we're going to talk about, though. So according oh. to, <laughs> ah, well, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, big old nothing burger. Now, according to a story which seems to have originated with Menippus of Gadara, a third century uh. BC satirist and another prominent cynic, Diogenes was eventually captured by pirates. While on a voyage to Aegina, one of the Greek islands near Athens, and sold as a slave in Crete to a Corinthian named Xeniades, who may have been the Corinthian philosopher of the same name. You following that? Diogenes is going on a trip to an island. He gets abducted by pirates and sold as a slave to a guy from Corinth. That's crazy. So before the sale, Diogenes, so he's in the slave market. And before he gets sold, masturbating and eating breakfast. Yeah, he's sitting there jacking off and eating a croissant. And before he gets sold as a slave. Oh, those ancient Greeks love croissants. croissants. They couldn't get enough French food. Diogenes was always going to the market eating croque messieurs. He loved bechamel. Oh, these Madelines are delicious. Ooh, Macron. So. Uh, he gets asked what his trade is because, you know, it's like that's like the slave thing. Like, what are you good at? What do right. you do? Are you carpenter or what? So Diogenes, re- Diogenes replied that he knew no trade but that of governing men and that he wished to be sold to a man who needed a master. <laughs> okay. 
So the unknown author. This guy's kind of a goober. So uh, an, an, a relatively unknown author, um, like nobody knows anything about this guy, but some of his writing survives. Um, Eubules writes that Xeniades liked the spirit of Diogenes and <laughs> hired him to tutor his children. And as a tutor to Xeniades' two sons, it is said that he that Diogenes lived in Corinth for the rest of his life, which he devoted to preaching the doctrines of virtuous self-control. Okay. And of course, there's no way of knowing if any of this is true. He doesn't seem like he's very self-controlled, though. Well, he's only doing what's natural. Jerking off. Taking a shit. Eating food. I don't know if I agree with this guy. Hmm? Well, we'll see what you feel at the end. Now, there are many stories about what actually happened to Diogenes after his time with Xeniades' two sons. There are stories that say he was set free after he became, quote, a cherished member of the household, end quote. While another story says he was set free almost immediately. That, like, Xeniades was an admirer and just set him free right away. Jesus Christ. Um, It's even said uh, that Diogenes lectured to large audiences at the Isthmian Games, one of the ancient Panhellenic games. Although most of the stories about his living in a jar are located in Athens, one author recounts a tale where he lived in a jar near the gymnasium in Corinth. Get the fuck out of the jars, dude. Go live in a bathhouse. Go live in a fucking tent. They didn't have the YMCA back then, Art. There was nowhere for a young man like him to go. Get out of the jars. You're using those jars for things. It's not a fucking place to go hang out. Also, you don't have any possessions. You don't, what do you, just whatever. It's Greece. Sleep on the street. Jeez. It's nice. It's Jeez. warm there. What a harsh creek. Didn't have any clothes. There's a bunch of fucking steps and shit everywhere you could sleep on. Jeez. What a harsh critic. You really love those wine jugs. I mean, I'm just saying, like, why are you going in a jug? I'm thinking there's other better options. If I had a nice wine barrel to live in, I'd live in it. I would not live in a wine barrel. I'll live in a barrel. You've got me over a barrel here. <laughs> now, it was while he was in Corinth uh, that in a meeting between the famous Greek uh, or Macedonian, if you will, uh, Emperor Alexander the Great. <gasps> I heard of him. And Diogenes is allegedly said to have taken place. The accounts of Plutarch, the famous historian, historian, and Diogenes Laertius recount that Alexander and Diogenes exchanged only a few words. While Diogenes was relaxing in the morning sunlight. What's up, dude? You jerking off? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Almost done. Uh (laughs) Nice, dude. Head back to my wine barrel. You want to (laughs) go? So this is the this is the generally accepted story. All right. While Diogenes was relaxing in the morning sunlight, Alexander, thrilled to meet the famous philosopher, asked if there was any favor he might do for him. Diogenes replied, "Yes, stand out of my sunlight." Jeez, dude. Alexander then declared, "If I were not Alexander, then I should wish to be Diogenes." To which Diogenes replied, "If I were not Diogenes, I would still wish to be Diogenes. A little self-centered. What a Chad. Absolute Chad move. So wait, I'm confused. Is he like a well-known philosopher? Like, what is he fucking philosopher? It's just because people associate him with the guy who was Plato's student, the one antithesis. What was his name? <laughs> Antisthenes. Antistopes. 
and taste the peas. <laughs> no, he's famous as for being a philosopher. Like his, what is he philosophized? He's philosophizing that, uh, well, we'll talk about it more, but... What does that mean to be a philosopher? That society basically is a joke. So he's just walking around, he's like living in society, right. criticizing society. Right, exactly. He's trying to bring it down from the inside. So, but, but like, what is he doing? Is he writing things? Yeah. Is he speaking? Allegedly, he wrote a number of things. He spends his day lecturing? But yeah, he would have been lecturing and okay. uh, doing stuff like that. So word spreading and the people are understanding who he is and he's doing this in court. Despite all of this behavior that you hate, mm -hmm. Athene the Athenians loved him. Yeah. They thought he was incredible. Um, so they were like very, uh, they admired his philosophy and his, uh, all that stuff. So he was, he was it's like going to a roast and getting roasted by the comic. Right. That's what it, it's like going to see Don Rickles and being right. like, dude, oh, he made fun of me. Right. And Alexander the Great was allegedly a big admirer of Diogenes. So he was excited. Yeah, but he doesn't give a him. fuck. He's too busy conquering the shit out of stuff and being a Chad. See, this is the thing is like, this is like a weird thing in history. It probably didn't happen. Like there's not a lot of good evidence that it actually happened, but it's like such a famous episode. Uh, like there's. So many, like, um, you know, other stories that have spun off from this Alexander and Diogenes story and works of art of this story, um, just because of, you know, the total indifference Diogenes shows okay. to um, Alexander. But it's like, it might not have happened. Or it might have been before Alexander was even a conqueror. So I'm just trying to get my understanding straight. So it's like somehow he ends up in Corinth. Allegedly captured by pirates, maybe not. We don't know. He's in Corinth. Uh -huh. So he's still doing the same thing he was doing in Athens, which is like living in a wine barrel, which he shouldn't be doing. Uh, he's fucking preaching all day. So he's like a dude on the corner lecturing. Right. So there's crowds of people. That's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to paint the picture here. Yeah, probably. It's probably crowds of people or, you know, he's speaking at lecturing places. Yeah. He's waxing his little dolmer. Right. Every day he's fucking... Right. He's uh he's wrapping his dolma. dolma. Dolmas, is that what they're called? Yeah, he's wrapping his dolmas yeah. every day. He's playing with his pecker and he's eating food and just walking around with his little lantern. Right. He's like people are like, "Oh, it's that's Diogenes. We like him." Yeah. Okay. They love him. So there's um other versions of this story of Alexander Diogenes. <laughs> um um and this one is where in this situation Alexander happens upon Diogenes and Diogenes is looking at a pile of human bones. And Diogenes explained to Alexander... Just out in the fucking street? Just, I don't know where they are. Um, Alexander asks what he's doing, and Diogenes explains, quote, I am searching for the bones of your father, but cannot distinguish them from those of a slave. End quote. Okay, see, that's... That's the first one he's kind of saying that's kind of like, whoa. Now you're on board. I'm not on board with this guy. Don't fucking say we that. We got him. Ladies and gentlemen, no, 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 no. we got him. I still think he's a bit of a creep and a weirdo, and I don't like him. We got him. We got Art on board. But I'm just saying, this is the first piece of philosophy that he said that I'm like, okay, whoa, that's that's big. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. Hey, it's your dad was a king, but guess what? When you're dead, you're no different right. than the lowest of the low. Right. It's it's saying like- It's like, whoa. Check your hubris here. Check your hubris. Little boy. Little boy. So eventually, though, Art, all good things must come to an end. And so was the case for Diogenes, even though most sources agree he lived a good life. Some even say he made it to 90 years old. That's old. Doubt. 
Probably. Um, but eventually he did die. And there are conflicting accounts of his death, of course. Um, at the time, it was alleged he uh, held his breath until he died. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, I don't think that's possible. Diogenes Laertius wrote that um, he became ill from eating raw octopus. Um, other accounts <laughs> say he suffered an infected dog bite. Bit by one of the dogs he used to sleep with in the street. What a way to go. It's just slept in a wine barrel. Fucking it, dummy. <laughs> yeah. What a fucking idiot. Could have just slept in a wine barrel. Now, before he died, Diogenes was asked how he wished to be buried. Okay. He said he wanted to be thrown outside the city wall so wild animals could feast on his body. When asked if he minded this, this guy's so intense. When asked if he would mind being thrown over the city walls, he said, "Not at all, as long as you provide me with a stick to chase the creatures away." When asked how he could use the stick since he would lack awareness, he replied, "Quote: If I lack awareness, then why should I care what happens to me when I'm dead?" End quote. What? His dead body is going to get thrown over the wall, but he's like, yeah, give me a stick. And then they're like, well, how are you going to use a stick if you're dead? And he's like, I don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter. Well, that's the thing. Is there? Why did he say give me a stick? Because he said, he told them, throw my body over the walls, let the animals eat it. And they're like, are you sure you want to do that? Wild animals are going to eat your body. And he's like, well, then you can just give me a stick to defend myself. Oh, okay. And they go, but how will you use it? And then he's like, yeah, dumb shit. What the fuck am I going to do with the stick? You idiot. Why do I care what happens to my body when I'm dead? I don't know. Every story about this guy makes him seem like he's the smartest guy in the room. I'm, I'm just really not. <laughs> he I'm was get, beloved. That's why. I'm getting big Redditor energy from this guy a lot. Like, I really am. <laughs> They're so smart. Every time they comment on a story, they always would have the answer of how to do things the and right And then way. everybody in the town clapped. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he, Jeb Bush? <laughs> uh, clap. Please clap. Uh, now, while there's no way to verify this, both Diogenes Laertius and Plutarch write that Plutarch. Diogenes, I like Plutarch the best. <laughs> okay, he could be your favorite. That's fine. Oh man, they both write um, that Diogenes died the same day as none other than his old admirer Alexander the Great. Aww, they really were like Jefferson and Adams, huh? Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading! Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. 
Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Well, you never heard that story? No. Thomas Jefferson and John Adams died on the same day. Oh, I didn't know that. July 4th. Were they like big bros? Well, they were um, political rivals. Mm. Of course, Adams was the second president and Jefferson. Adams was the second president. He was also the first one term president. Wow. And he got beat in the presidential election by Jefferson. And Wait, Adams, wasn't George Washington a one term president? No, he served two terms. Oh, really? That's He set the standard. There used to be no term limit for president. You could run, you could be president as much as you wanted. And there was a not in because Washington didn't want to be president. There was not an insignificant movement to like appoint Washington as like president for life. Right. And he said, no, I'm only going to serve two terms. Because like, didn't we just get done fighting to not? Have yeah, he was like, what the fuck's the you point if you make idiots. me a king <laughs> of me getting rid of the fucking king if you just make me another king? So he said, no, two terms and that's it. Right. Adams ran for re-election after his first term, and he lost to Jefferson, who then served two terms. So um, they were political rivals, and Adams was super bitter about it. But eventually, when they got old, Adams lived for a very long time. He lived to be like in his 90s, I think. They started up a, uh, like, they became like pen pals, basically. And so then they were like friends until they died, and they died the same day. Wow. So anyway... Let's talk about Diogenes' philosophy, okay? This is what you've been waiting for. This is what I've been waiting for. You're trying to put this all together. Yes. So, um, I've been tiptoeing around this a lot, but let's get into it now. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Diogenes is often seen as one of the most prominent figures in the philosophy of cynicism. He had a great bod. He's very <laughs> known as an atlas of his day. Now, generally, even more so than his alleged mentor, Antisthenes, uh, who often gets credit as the earliest cynic, um, it's important to reiterate here that none of Diogenes' writings survive to modern day, even though he is reported to have authored over 10 books, a volume of letters, and seven tragedies. Must not have been that important. No, people thought, who gives a fuck, and they didn't keep them. So everything we know about his philosophy is based on testimony from others or piecing bits of information together. An important thing to keep in mind here is that cynic ideas are inseparable from cynic practice. Therefore, what we know about Diogenes's philosophy is substantially supported by the anecdotes about his life from all of these scattered sources. Because... Cynic is not so much a school of thought as it is a school of practice. It's a philosophy for how you live your life. Like Buddhism. Right. Think of, it, think of it this way. Is it's not like you couldn't be a cynic in theory. You either are a cynic and you live your life that way or you're not a cynic. Okay. So cynic philosophers are um, closely associated with dogs, the animals. Uh, in fact, the word cynic derives from Greek words that mean dog and dog-like. One explanation offered Wait in ancient times... They're furries? They're furries. They're the first furries. Diogenes was a furry. Okay. So, so he was wearing 
you know, adult diapers yeah. and all that it's stuff. Big old fursuit. Right. <laughs> so one explanation offered in ancient times for why cynics were called dogs was that Antisthenes taught in the uh, Sinosargis Gymnasium at Athens. The word Sinosargis means the place of the white dog. I don't know if that has any merit to it, but there you go. It is not known whether Diogenes was insulted with the epithet doggish um, and made a virtue of it himself or whether he took up this acting like a dog kind of thing for himself. Nobody knows if it was like, hey, you dirty old fuck, you live in the street, you're a goddamn dog. Or if he was like, well, I'm like a dog. Um, Dogs are virtuous. I'm like a dog. I always bark way. I'll always sniff your butt. I got lots of fleas. I got worms in my anus. (laughs) Now, there are many anecdotes of Diogenes referring to his dog-like behavior and his praise of a dog's virtues. Diogenes is also often depicted as hanging out with dogs. This I'm into. Um, I love dogs. When asked why he was called a dog, he replied, quote, I fawn on those who give me anything. I yelp at those who refuse. And I set my teeth in rascals. End quote. I don't like that. (laughs) Diogenes believed human beings live artificially and hypocritically and would do well to study the dog, which doesn't do that. Now, (laughs) while you were out living in society... I, I was, was studying, studying the, the dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Now, it's possible that being called dogs was supposed to be derogatory, but some have said that maybe it was actually flattering. Here's what Donald Dudley wrote in his 1937 book with a scintillating title, A History of Cynicism from Diogenes to the 6th Century AD. Oh, oh my God. I got to read that book. Can you imagine the cover of that book? (laughs) That's just, what an illustrative title. (laughs) Jumps off the page. Um, Here's what Donald Dudley wrote. There are four reasons why the cynics are so named. First, because of the indifference of their way of life, for they make a cult of indifference and, like dogs, eat and make love in public, go barefoot and sleep in tubs and at crossroads. The second reason is that the dog is a shameless animal and they make a cult of shamelessness, not as being beneath modesty, but as superior to it. The third reason is that the dog is a good guard and they guard the tenets of their philosophy. The fourth reason is that the dog is a discriminating animal, which can distinguish between its friends and enemies. So do they recognize as friends, those who are suited to philosophy and receive them kindly while those unfitted, they drive away like dogs, by barking at them. End quote. Does Diogenes want a job at Ohio State? Because he got that dog in him. He got that dog in him. She got to get him playing quarterback. He got that dog in him. He not like C.J. Stroud. He got that dog in him. Interestingly, though, C.J. did say that uh, one of his uh, idols, idols is, is Michael Watson. Vick. Yeah. Oh, and Michael Vick. That's right. Another famous I saw that situation quote. related to dogs. Yeah. <laughs> So aside from spreading the gospel of dogs, Diogenes also believed all the artificial growths of society were incompatible with happiness and that morality implies a return to the simplicity of nature. In his words, quote, humans have complicated every simple gift of the gods, end quote. Everyone, he claimed, was trapped in this make-believe world, which they insisted was reality. And because of this, people were living in a kind of dream state. Okay. So he's trying to wake people up. He's trying to red pill them. 
He's trying to get them to come to the realization that society is a false structure that we've built upon nature. It's a farce. To please ourselves, when really what we should be doing is taking away all of the hubris and living in harmony with nature. Okay. What does that mean? Give me, give me the action plan, Diogenes. Let's get rid of our cities. Let's get rid of our social structures. Okay. Do we all just live nomadically in tents? Yeah. We could live together. Can we have tents? Are tents okay? What's the fucking line? There's no point. What's the point of a tent? Protect you from the rain and the elements. You could do that things. without a tent. Just live under a tree, I guess. Yeah, live in a wine barrel. Who makes the wine barrels? Anybody could do it. Okay. It's a gift from the gods. I guess so. Uh, now, Diogenes clearly had a high regard for reason. Uh, to him, each individual should either allow reason to guide their conduct or, like an animal, they will need to be led by a leash. Reason guides one away from mistakes and toward the best way in which to live. Diogenes then does not despise knowledge as such, um, but despises pretensions to knowledge that serve no purpose. For example, Diogenes was astonished that folks studying literature desired to learn everything about the misfortunes of Odysseus, but nothing about their own misfortunes. Of mathematicians, he said they keep their eyes on the heavens and overlook what is at their feet. Of orators, he said they speak of justice but never practice it. Wow. So he didn't criticize knowledge. He criticized academia. Professions. Yeah. Now, I thought it would be fun to end with some quotes from Diogenes, you know, at least insofar as these can be called quotes. As usual, we can't really verify that Diogenes actually said any of this stuff. Well, whatever, these things are a tribute to him anyway, so we're just going to read them. So um, this guy was like a, quote, machine, as we've already seen. Mm -hmm. Being asked where in Greece he saw good men, he replied, quote, good men nowhere, but good boys at Sparta, end quote. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> He's talking about all that child molestation they did. Yeah, in Sparta. they love to have sex with young boys. Um, here's another quote, quote, everything belongs to the gods. The wise are friends of the gods. Friends hold all things in common. Ergo, everything belongs to the wise. End quote. Okay. Um, once he saw the officials of a temple leading away someone who had stolen a bowl belonging to the treasurers and said, quote, the great thieves are leading away the little thief. End quote. Okay. Very Christ-like. Sure. Uh, when someone reminded him that the people of Sinope had sentenced him to exile, he said, quote, and I sentenced them to stay at home. End quote. Got him. Wrecked, to, you nerd. To the question, uh, what wine he found pleasant to drink, he replied, quote, that for which other people pay. End quote. Answer. Now, when free asked. Free wine, I guess? Free wine. That's the best wine. Okay. When asked why people give to beggars, but not to philosophers, he replied, quote, because they expect they may become lame and blind, but never that they will become philosophers. End quote. That's a funny one. That's a good one. That's a good, it's a good line. That's a good line. That's a good line. I would hire um, Diogenes to do stand up. Yeah. At my kid's birthday party. He's like a stand up stand up. Yeah. He's a comedian's comedian. He's a real, yeah. he's a real uh, Bill Hicks. Mm -hmm. So what did you think, Art? Meh. Wow. You don't like Diogenes. Nah, I don't, I don't vibe with that at all. You don't like the masturbation. 
No. You really are most upset about the wine jugs. Well, I just... I, yeah, I'm very upset about the wine jugs. <laughs> I can see that these wi- these clay wine jars mean a lot to you. I'm just thinking about that poor wine monger who's like coming down. He's like grabbing it. He's got a huge cart full of wine. He opens it up and the Diogenes is just up there like, hey, what the fuck? Letting all the sunlight in. He's like, God damn it. Get the fuck out of my barrel. Guy's just trying to do his fucking job. <laughs> this masturbating dog man sitting in his fucking wine barrel. Get out of the barrel. I got to put wine in the barrel. Come on. I got like 40 more fucking barrels to do. Get the fuck out. Masturbating dog man is just, (laughs) that's about to become my screen name. (laughs) I don't know. I have a thing about like the lives in society and criticizes it from within kind of, it's like, dude, why don't you just go start your own? Go put, go put your philosophy to practice. Let's see how it works. You could say the same though, I think for a lot of modern religions, right? Yeah, I guess. Like people who evangelize, um it's it's like you can have your own religion, you don't have to tell right. other people about it. Right. But I think that people like Diogenes, like like you know, I think uh, a lot of people who evangelize, they're concerned with the salvation mm-hmm. of other people from a religious sense and from this philosophical sense. I think Diogenes is um concerned primarily that People have lost their virtue and that society is um, somewhat wicked in the sense that it's lost sight of what's important in human existence. Relative to what he views as wicked or not. And then as society progresses, it's just going to keep getting further and further away, Um, which I think is a very interesting viewpoint considering the time, right? Like this is literally... 2000 years ago we like they like just invented society right he's already like this is gonna be fucked up society came out the week before diogenes (laughs) learned about it so he's like we need to do a hot fix on this we need to revert back to changes (laughs) this shit sucks guys it's not gonna be good it's not scalable i mean honestly society was still in beta when uh, diogenes was (laughs) there's bugs everywhere so it's it's uh, but i think it's an interesting critique that human civilization had already advanced to a point where people were like we've strayed so far away from what we were meant to do on this earth that we need to change things. And it's like, you know, it's just kind of interesting to me that we've continued down that path that Diogenes was warning, warning people about. I feel like though, every generation feels that way in some regard about certain things that are relative to their generation. Though, right? Sure. Um, but not to downplay them, but it's like, I don't know. I guess I just don't really, I guess when you put it that way, I, I get it a little bit more, but, um, I don't know. I guess I just don't. I think I feel like I didn't get a good picture. What is this dude doing all day? He's just like walking around talking. I don't think that you really understand the life of a ancient philosopher. No, I don't think I do at all. Yeah, they're what do like, they do? They're giving lectures. They're they're uh, you know he was a cynic, and because of that viewpoint, he's going around and like harassing people, basically, as well. That bugs me. Right. I don't like that. Leave people alone. <laughs> That's my philosophy. Let's just let people go do what they want. Like, leave them alone. They're doing their thing all day. Just leave them alone. He's going around and he's looking for... Um, you don't like it? He's looking for, you know... There's plenty of countryside, dude. We're in ancient Greece. There's fucking land everywhere. He's looking at things that he doesn't see are virtuous, and he's calling that out. Go start a virtuous... Go start the city of Diogenes. You know what I'm saying? He wouldn't start a city. Or whatever you want to call. I don't know what he wants. What does he want? What's his end goal? His end goal? Like, I guess I don't get it. Like, what's the end goal? Is it just like ever, like, there's no society, but like, what is society? The end goal is to red pill people, to wake them up. 
to what? To realize that they're not living virtuously anymore. What does that mean? They need to return to virtue. What does that mean? The virtue of living in harmony with nature. What does that mean? That they've built this artificial structure of society on top of human existence. What is the, and that what is the derive, line of what is artificial and what isn't? People derive true happiness from existing with each other in nature free of possessions and free of the pinnings of the culture that we've developed together. So if they get rid of possessions mm -hmm. and everybody returns to a more natural state, that's what real happiness is. Okay. What happens if people... That people are only pretending to be happy. They've tricked themselves sure. into believing that they're happy. Sure. Really that's that's life, not. right? That's life. That's even modern life. Right. You, you could just say, fucking go through the whole I think motions. it's easy to make the argument now that modern society is very hard on human health. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And no. so ancient society was probably also similarly hard on human health. Yeah. No, I think it was probably very unhealthy to live in these So people who say like today that they're... Disease quite, rampant. That they're fucking... quite happy like people in Nordic countries, they're living a lie. They're not really happy. Yeah, fuck those as happy people. as they could be. They're not happy. They're not happy. They're just lying to themselves. They, they should go live in the fjords. They've tricked themselves into believing a false reality when they should be living like ice trolls. <laughs> they should be living like the Yule. <laughs> they should be up there in the mountains <laughs> eating bones. What's your opinion of this guy? You vibe with this? You, you fucking hate nature. Famously. <laughs> I famously do hate nature. You hate camping. You hate nature. You love society. You know, I don't agree with the whole, like, I don't agree with the whole viewpoint of, like, all society makes you unhappy and that, you know, possessions are, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the whole thing of, like, possessions are a trap and, um. They can be if you let them. Right. It's like you have to have perspective, but I think it's possible to also have perspective and not to be, like, obsessed with wealth and obsessed with power greed is a problem greed is there's a reason that greed is like a, a cardinal sin it's the most famous villain of everything right right it's always always comes down to like oh the villain is greed greed right? greed is a famous vice and yeah, yeah greed is bad um but i don't think that um security or comfort is a bad thing right uh and it does depend on how you um i think live your life it's possible to live your life in a way where you're comfortable, yeah. but that you also consider the fact that not everybody is in the same position as you and sure. to have a spare a thought for other people. It's possible to live empathetically. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too, is like we all go live out in nature. It's like, well, living in nature is dangerous as fuck. I mean, living in a society is probably, it's also can be dangerous as well, but yeah. you have different types of danger, I guess. Yeah. Because theoretically, if you live in a society, I, which I guess we're... We are living in a society. We live in a society, dude. Which I guess, like, what are we defining as a society? Does that mean a city? Like, what's a society? Yeah, I suppose if you strip it away and you say, like, society is... Um, he wants to live in a society, but just no buildings? Well, I think, too, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a Larry David thing here where it's like well, there is? society is all of these made-up rules that we put on ourselves. Mm. Like, don't eat in the marketplace, for example. Yeah, okay, that I get. I mean, to a degree. Like, we have a thing now. You don't need to publicly masturbate in the fucking thing. No. That's not necessary. No. No one wants to see that. Although he didn't have anywhere to go. It's not appropriate. He had to masturbate somewhere. Go masturbate, I guess, in the wine jar. But that was in Since public. You're living in it. That was on the street. Anyone could have walked by and seen him jerking off. They could see that in the market. Even if he had a pinup of uh, Medusa in there. Oh, Medusa. That's the only way you can jerk off to her because She'll you get can't you rock do it, hard. Can't do it in person. Yeah. Hard as a rock. Yeah. Hard as a rock.
The country. Yeah. Uh, Iraq, you roll. I remember those t-shirts. I ran. <laughs> I ran so far away. So I think that, um, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Like, what is society at the end of the day? And I think it involves some of these. Uh, okay, so he wants to get rid of all the buildings. Rules. He wants to get rid of all the possessions. And then everybody's just plopped in nature. Nature's very dangerous. And wants to stop people in society. I mean, I guess there's no difference between nature and society, right? Like, there's nothing stopping greedy, powerful people from taking things from other people. Right. Even if we return to nature. Right. Uh, you know, people who are hoarding resources. Because like me and you are there, we're setting up, we've talked about this at the beginning. Right. Almost serendipitously. Yeah. My other famous Greek philosopher, serendipitous. Serendipitous. Um, it's like if you and I were primal leaders of our tribe living in nature. Right. You can have Diogenes. You can have him. I don't want that fucking guy. I want Plutarch. <laughs> He's going to be my right hand man. Me and Plutarch are going to run a primal tribe. <laughs> so obviously you and I are going to have the, Two most like alpha Chad fucking tribes out of right. any of these fuckers living in society. Right. Which or nature, I guess. Cause now we're getting into like Rousseau and David Thoreau and like all these other fuckers who tried to do the same fucking things. And each one of them is like, yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, like I'm pretty sure Henry didn't, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Henry David Thoreau like lived in nature alone for a long time. And at the end was like, yeah, it wasn't worth it. Yeah. I think that's accurate. I think that's how it went. I mean, I'm no student of Thoreau, but I think that's true. <clears throat> but anyway, we would have, but what's stopping another tribe, a more beta tribe from rising up and winning only because of numbers, not because of anything else. Like you and I are like top tier fighters. Yeah. We're like maxed out on strength and decks and all these other things and like intelligence <laughs> and charisma. And so like these beta people, they just have numbers. That's just the thing, right? It's a formality. There's nothing <laughs> right. I could do. Right. So our tribes get run over. So how's that fair? I think the question that Diogenes would raise to you is like, why are there tribes? Why do we need tribes? Why do we need that structure? I don't know. Living in this tribal structure and separating ourselves. Okay, I live in a non-tribal structure, but then another tribal structure comes from some other fucking county and they fuck over my tribe yeah, or my non-tribe. Right. So what the fuck? Yeah, it's our job to criticize them. <laughs> and understand that they're enemies. Why? Why are you stabbing me? They're under <laughs> stab, stab, stab. Understand that they're enemies of our virtuous life. <laughs> and so we would chase them away like the dogs that we are. Oh, God. Nip at their heels while they run back to their other county. Yeah, we'll bark at them. <laughs> we'll sink my teeth. We'll sink our teeth in them. Like, can I fight back? Is that virtuous or no? Yeah, that's virtuous. If I possess a knife and I fight back, is that like not virtuous? Well, yeah. I mean, why would you possess a knife, though? Because that keep getting attacked by these non-virtuous tribes. What good are your hands? I don't know martial arts. What about rocks? Sticks. Oh, so I can possess rocks? No, you don't possess them. They belong to the earth. You use them. So can I craft a spear from a rock and a fucking stick? Yeah, of course. Then I have to give it back to the earth. Of course, it just doesn't belong to you. Okay. You don't have it as a possession. You don't hold it over others. In modern society, you don't really possess much anyway. God knows I don't. <laughs> I own one hot dog. And it's in my freezer. You own land, quote unquote. You don't really own it. Right. You're just leasing it from the government. Yeah. So, you know, you don't really own the house you live in, even if you live there for your whole life. Yeah. I mean, I guess you buy certain things from certain companies and you own those things. See, now how much better would it be if... There was no society 
and there were just houses available and you could just go and live in one and exchange something for the house and that's it. But I possess the house then. No, you would just live there temporarily. Mm. So you die. I guess that's fine. Am I allowed to change the house? Can I do things to the house? What am I allowed to do? Sure. What do you mean? There's no rules. There's no society. You do whatever the fuck you want. It's too free flowy. Yeah, me. you need rules. You're- I need some kind of parameter because I'm going to have so many questions about what I can and can't You're do. You're such a fucking baby. You need rules for everything. You fucking freewheeling fucking hippies. I'm not wearing underwear right now. <laughs> it's mainly because I shit myself earlier. Yeah, all your underwear has holes. In yeah, butt. yeah. Directly, directly over my butthole. When I fart, it's like a jet engine. <laughs> There's flames shooting out. Like a I don't know. Heater. I think you're putting on airs. I don't think you vibe with Diogenes either. But you just don't want to make a hard stance. I just have to be, I have to play devil's advocate all the time. I'm very good at it. That's my strength. You're a cynic. That's my strength is um, being obnoxious. And yeah. Challenging people. Yeah. You would be a good Greek philosopher. This is why I'm so- like Socrates. Yeah. You just I'm, walk around and criticize. Them. Walk around and criticize. And then, but you don't take accountability for anything. I take no accountability. You don't actually help anybody. Diogenes I, isn't like helping these other poor people. He's just being like, "Oh, why are you wanting after bread so much, poor person?" I, well, see, that's the thing. Is like, oh, he, you're allowed. Like the cynical viewpoint is not like you don't need anything. Like there are obvious needs, right, mm-hmm. to be met. Hunger is one of those needs. Mm. So he should be able to meet his needs in nature by satisfying his hunger that it shouldn't be that he should be able to go to the snickers tree and grab a snickers and satisfy his hunger but the thing is that people shouldn't possess the food that yeah. you have to procure it from them mm. that the food should just be available and that people should be able to use it so this is like he's like trying to craft an early utopia yeah which i think is the philosophy that we've seen that has predated like we think of like hippie communes right that's the easiest thing to reference yeah People tried to live in hippie communes in the sixties and seventies, and like, I think some that, people did, some people didn't, and then, but utopia as a concept has existed for a long time. I think the thing to biblical to, to keep in mind here is like Diogenes would probably say like, the world already provides everything that we need, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to create new needs, mm-hmm. but yet we do, and those become things that we have to satisfy. Then, like you think about modern society, like we've created a need for indoor plumbing. That's not something that actually exists. We've invented that need. Here you go again, trying to say that you should be allowed to shit on the street openly. We should be able to shit in any body of water that we see People fit. are certainly letting their dogs do it. Why God, not? You walk around fucking Old Town, wash your fucking feet, because uh, you're going to be stepping in someone's fucking dog shit because they don't pick after themselves at all. I'm down there in fucking Old Town, walk around with my friends, dog shit all over the place. Whoa, 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 whoa. You went out with friends? Yeah. What the fuck? I know. I went to a bar. What the fuck? And Who I are you? I stayed for two rounds. Two rounds? What did yeah. you even drink? Seltzer. Seltzer. <laughs> there it is. He was listening to the Brian Seltzer Orchestra. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying about artificial... The yeah, artificiality yeah, yeah. of society has created these wants that then people have to satisfy when there are just basic human things that need to be satisfied that we could be taking care of simply in nature. Sure. But toilets are kind of comfy. 
Let's are very comfortable. I'm not saying that if they are suboptimal to how we are supposed to shit naturally. I'm not saying I dis. I'm not saying I personally think we should get rid of toilets. Obviously, I spend 85 percent of my life on the toilet. It's something I'm very comfortable with. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to bring you into the mindset of Diogenes. I understand. Trying to help expand your mind here. I don't know. I mean, I guess everybody's shitting in public. I don't know that that to me causes a health concern. I guess there's health concerns with society because of Schmaug, the dragon. Right? Well, if you think about it this way, you know, if we all lived in areas that were hospitable, right? Like nobody's saying that you have to just shit on the ground and leave it there. You take a shit in the lake. It's already full of shit. Yeah, well, your turds won't matter. Oh man, I don't know. Chicago. We couldn't live in Chicago. You couldn't do this in Chicago. It'd be nearly impossible. Why? You need to have some form of shelter. Yeah. It's too cold to live here. Sure. Right. We're able to build fires. Fuck that, dude. Fires are not enough to keep you warm in Chicago winters. With especially if you don't possess clothes. Yeah, you're able to wear clothing. I just don't possess it. Right. So just when I don't need it anymore, I just put it back in the clothing pile. It's not your coat. It's a coat. Who? But if someone made the coat, sure. Someone has to be the people coat can maker. have skills. But the person who makes the coat doesn't get to control the coat. I don't have to procure the coat from the coat maker. Okay. What happens if like little grubby like Cheeto dusted finger fucking people like you ruin the coat, ruin the community's coat? I guess the community possesses the coat and then you come along. For some reason, someone lets you, we're not a society, we're not a tribe, it's just a, there's just coats. So someone's making the coats, there's coats available. I don't know, people just leave them everywhere, I guess. Then you come along, you fuck up a coat. <laughs> now there's one less coat. Wait, what did I do to the coat? God, who knows what you do to the coats? I don't know what you do to the coats. Suddenly the coat is full of holes. <laughs> It's covered in fucking grime. Let's see, you just assume that they only made enough coats for everybody and then no more coats. There will be no incremental coats. But coats cost resources. Sure. So now we have to manage the resources. What if the resources run out? Now we have to move. Yeah. Shame. You go someplace warmer. Greece. Yeah. Is Greece warm? I have to assume it is. Mediterranean. Yeah. Some some parts, yeah. I don't know. Sorry. Leave, yeah, there's I guess leave me. I guess count me out. I guess I'm not a cynic. Yeah, you heard it here first, Beefers. I guess art. I'm not as cynical as I thought I was. I, art needs rules to function. I, I I'm a little bit I'm a little logic brained. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're a little flummoxed by this one. I think you are as well. You just like to pretend that you're not. I'm not flummoxed by this. Yeah, you are. Am I saying that I want to live this way? No. Acting like it. I don't want to live this way. I'm very comfortable in my life. I don't want to change. You hate bugs. I'm just saying. The thing is, the whole philosophy is that possessions. Well, I'm trying to unpack it. Yeah. I'm trying to unpack it from like a, how would this work? Yeah. And it just, I don't know. I guess I just wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. You would be, we would have to kill you and eat you. I guess. How does, how does cynics handle murder? 
Murder's been around since the beginning of humans. There'll always be murders. Someone murders someone else. What happens? Are you allowed to even... Are you... Are you... Do you possess the right to life? That? You don't own life. <laughs> Your soul belongs to the gods. Yeah. So how can you even say that you possess... Your body, I murdered him, but it doesn't matter. He body belongs to the earth. Body belongs to the earth. Soul belongs to the gods. Yeah. Oh, well. Free to go. Cool. I'm just going to keep stabbing people. All right. Well, when you're done, make sure you put that rock back on the earth because you don't possess it. Ain't no problem. Stab, stab, stab. Like, what the fuck, dude? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure glad that we listened to the guy who masturbates openly and lives in a jar. I mean, it's not to say that there wouldn't be repercussions for your actions. Like if you stab somebody and then everyone just goes, oh, well, shit. Nothing we can do about that. It's like you would probably get stabbed then. What if, if you were a murderer, yeah. You'd probably get murdered. Why do you get to possess my life and my judgment and what happens to me? Sorry, that's the brakes, kid. Hmm. You don't I don't have, know. You don't have the right to impede on my existence. I don't know. I don't know if it's a philosophy I could get behind. I, definitely I guess I'm so. a little too Kierkegaard for these people. Yeah, you're a, you're a. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little too Nietzsche. You're a friggin' normie, is what you are. <laughs> you love the man. You love rules. I like some rules. Not like me, baby. I'm rule free. Yeah, you are. That's the why only I... rule I follow is rule thirty four. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. So check out my deviant art collection where <laughs> it's a whole series on Diogenes masturbating. <laughs> and all the gifts of the earth come out of the tip of his penis. Oh God. Well, we haven't converted art today, but I hope I converted some of you to become cynics. Yeah. Um, and consider to give up all your possessions. And when you are giving up those possessions, you can send them here to P.O. Box 6969 <laughs> Bunker Way. Bunker Way. 420 Bunker Way. 420 Bunker Way. Um, that's it. That's Diogenes. That's the life of Diogenes. That's the tale from the bunker today. I hope it was a good one, Bunk Bunkers. I hope you enjoyed that one. I think it's a lot of food for thought. It's a big, big old Reuben for thought. It's a big old Reuben for thought. Think about the forms of a sandwich. Now, see, Plato would have said my thing about a Reuben. What does that mean? That it's, that it's some type of bread. It's some type of meat. It's cheese, it's sauerkraut or coleslaw, and it's uh, creamy dressing. Diogenes would say that a pulled pork sandwich with a slice of cheddar and some sort of a, like, I don't know, chipotle mayo on it, that would be, and frizzled onions, that's a Reuben. It's not a fucking Reuben. I'm just saying, Plato forms Diogenes. Hey, man, whatever feels good, dude. The bunk workers don't know this. Whoa. But there is Get a, ready. There is, Bombshell. Uh, yeah. There is a, we possess oh, this. Oh, shit. We haven't released it because it's ours. Bombshell. <laughs> Get ready. Um, it's, a, uh, it's a recording that we never released of us, oh, yeah. of us uh, debating sandwiches in a bracket. We have brought this up in the Discord, and oh, hey, the proud patrons of this show have 
urged us to complete that work. But I just uh, want to point out one thing for all for the wider audience here. The audience. That we intended that to be a relatively short, like maybe an hour-long thing, um, Patreon-only release. Mm-hmm. And what it was is we set up a bracket of sandwiches, mm-hmm. which I think you got from a website. The sandwiches were predefined. It, we didn't add, input our own sandwiches, right? Right, yeah. And we had to both agree on which sandwich would advance mm-hmm. each round. And so we discussed the virtues of each of the sandwiches going up against and which one would win. And there were some that were very clear cut, some that warranted a lot of discussion. We got like 90 minutes into it and we hadn't even gotten through the second round of the bracket. We, yeah. We did like maybe like two heats and that's yeah. it. We were so, like, Oh fuck. So this it's was, like a, it's like a three to four hour tre- fucking video trending to a four hour thing. Yeah. And we only did one conference. Right. So like the Western conference. There were lots of other sandwiches we never got to. So many. We might release it one day. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is I, I'm almost positive that on that, or maybe throughout the history, maybe a lore master knows. I'm sure they do. Evan? Evan might. You might. You Pedro might. Who knows? But um, Pedro, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that we've discussed like what constitutes a sandwich before. Like certain sandwiches like like certain like a blt like when does it stop becoming a blt and start becoming like you're putting or grilled cheese is a great example a blt is easy right right because it's it? defined by the name is it bacon lettuce I, I would i would argue that a reuben is as well you 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 fucking play with these forms but i say no these were named for specific reasons i even asked you i even said earlier in the episode i said what about turkey you said oh it's called a rachel it's called a rachel well okay well now you've got different names for different things then my friend you can't play with these forms <laughs> i like a rachel by the way i'm more of a more of a monica more really of a myself <laughs> um i've never seen a single episode of friends and i don't intend to um so they're not my friends. They're not my friends. <laughs> okay. And they're not going to be there for me. Okay. I've tried to call. I've called up Matthew Perry before. Trust me. He's not coming. <laughs> well, your love life is DOA. Uh, that means dick on arrival. <laughs> I need a central perk. Yeah. Pick me up. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just think you're crazy. You're playing around with it. You're, you're too loose, dude. You're a fucking madman. You, you're one of these guys who, like, you don't even realize what you're doing. The doors you're opening, Andy. You're opening a Pandora's box. With this sandwich talk, you're fucking, you're, you're sick in the head. Oh, it's a Reuben. Is it? What the fuck are you doing? You're putting cheddar cheese on it? It's not a Reuben? What? You're, you're playing with shit you don't understand. There's a... The, the ancients, they came up with these rules for a reason. And you're throwing caution to the wind, you nut job. You dingus. <laughs> you're fucking going to ruin everything. Here's a delicious Reuben for you. <laughs> Pretzel bun. Shredded beef. Oh, my God. <laughs> vinegar slaw. <laughs> it's like a brisket sandwich. Cream cheese. <laughs> I'd try it, I guess. I don't know. And ranch dressing. No. That's too much. You had me until that. But you were on to something cool because the vinegar would cut through all that fat. Yeah. That'd be really nice. I love vinegar slaws. And you'd have a nice crunch. You'd have a very varied texture. Yeah. 
Delicious. So that could be called the Andy. Right. But then I say, hey, throw a couple of fucking pork sausages on that thing. It's not an Andy anymore, Andy. No, that's more Andy than the thing I said. If I was going to really make a sandwich named after me, I think it would be like two pounds of bologna. And that's one slice. It's not sliced. It's one thick, super thick slice. God. Six different kinds of cheese. What's wrong with you? Um, Spicy dill pickles. Uh, and a mayo mustard combo. Super, the hottest mustard you can find. Jesus, this is gross. What's and the bread? The, the bologna's deep fried. Uh, the bread? Wow. Andy had to think about the bread. Gotta think about the bread, man. Holy shit. Um, that lingo loaf that we used to get from that Swedish place. <laughs> that was good stuff. What was it called? I don't remember the name of it. It's with an L. Um, potato roll. Toasted. Wow-wee. There you go. That's the Andy. Two pounds of bologna, six different kinds of cheese. I guess dealer's choice. Dealer's choice. They have to be six unique cheeses. Yeah, you got to pick. Hot mustard, the hottest mustard available in the, I guess, in proximity, in a six-mile radius, let's say. Get get a good European style mustard. Those are very hot. See, not a lot of people know this about mustard, but your your the European palate prefers a hotter mustard. Oh my god! Where it's more mustard powder. <laughs> You're fucking insane. Whereas you are a Greek philosopher. Yellow mustard was invented to address the milder American palate. So it has turmeric in it, which is what makes it get that yellow color. Um, and it's a little bit less sharp with the mustard spice. And okay. that's why yellow mustard was invented. So if you buy like something like a Dijon, you look at where it's made or the company that makes it. If it's a European company, it'll be a hotter Dijon. If it's an American company. <laughs> it's going to be a much milder Dijon. You got to think about what you want, what you're going to use that mustard for. <laughs> Thank you, Mustodius. <laughs> Mustardius. <laughs> Fucking you preach. You're like next to Di- Diogenes and you're like, yeah, we do need to leave society and find hotter mustards. <laughs> society has made our palates too mild. We can no longer. Your concept of mustard is just a construct of reality. You can experience hotter mustards. We must eat the mustard of the gods. Mustard of the gods. <laughs> <laughs> It's like Chariot of the Gods, but it's about you competing in a eating contest. <laughs> Hot dog eating contest. So go out there, beefers. Let oh, me know your favorite mustard wrecks. Uh, would love to hear from you. Uh, this episode is off the rails. Email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. <laughs> gmail.com. <laughs> it's off. Tweet at us. Instagram us. But it doesn't matter. None of it matters. matters. This is all a false construct. It's a false construct. Go back out into nature and get mustard. Forget us and go eat some natural mustard. Find your own mustard seeds. Yep. Grind the forest. Eat your own mustard. And eat a bear with mustard on it. Delicious. (laughs) Eat a bear. You know what's great about hot mustards, Art? Everything. Everything. It clears your sinuses. You know, I don't necessarily want hot mustard on a hot dog, but I, I, when I eat a hot dog, I want a more nostalgic experience. But if you have any kind of Jewish deli sandwich, yeah, get, I, that's some fat. Those are fatty cuts of meat. Mustard has a purpose, right? This is 
So I might not be, be very freewheeling, but I look at things as like, well, what's its purpose? The heat and the, the spiciness of it, the palate of it cuts through that fat and that richness really nicely. Yeah. That's the purpose. That's, that's what's great about mustard. You, though, on the other hand, you're like, I just want it. You just are, you, you have more of a glutton philosophy where you're right. like, okay, I can get something hot, but can I get it even hotter? How much can you hurt me? Right. Right. And that's my philosophy. What was the other thing you were going to say about hot mustard? You told me what's, what's the good thing about hot mustard? What that's clearing your sinuses. Oh, that's it. That's it. That's the great thing about it. It does double duty. It's delicious. And also keeps you breathing right. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hot mustard. Thank you. Hot mustard. This show sponsored by hot mustard. We always thank something every episode. That's classic. We've done that for the last four years Mm -hmm. of the show. And uh, we're this year we're gonna this episode we're thanking hot mustard. So hot thank you, mustard. hot mustard, hot mustard, beefers go out there, get the hottest mustard you can find, and beefers, slather on everything. If I don't hear about all of you going to your local grocery store, finding the hottest mustard you can find, and thanking it in public, I'm gonna be upset. And I would recommend you know if you have like European style delis or food store stores near you, consider going in there because the mustard will be hotter. You'll probably find hotter mustard. In one of those places, then you'll find in your supermarket. Also, um, even that mustard that, you know, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, famously like, no, yeah, things, that mustard like egg rolls, they'll, they'll serve a hot mustard mm. with it. That, that stuff can be pretty potent. It can be, yes. Those mustard greens, bitter mustard greens, too. Nice. I don't think those are hot, but no, they just kind of taste like shit. But, uh, yeah, if you like it, whatever. Uh, go out there and get hot mustard. <laughs> nah, mustard greens are fine. Oh, okay. Um, it's, I guess it's like broccoli rob that I'm not really a super big fan of. Yeah. Bro- rapini, rapini and broccoli rob are two things where it's like, that's an acquired taste. A little that, too bitter. That shit can get really Yeah, fast. a little too bitter. Gotta temper that with some sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway... Go out there, get the hot mustard, put it on your broccoli, Rob. It'll taste great. Um, and hey, thanks for joining us here on another episode of uh, Tales from the Bunker. If you like this, um, cool. Go listen to the other one that's like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get fucked. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, bye. <laughs> Yummy. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.